We are in Luke chapter 10 this morning. Luke chapter 10. We started a sermon series a couple of weeks ago, and we titled it, Won't You Be My Neighbor? And so Levi and I both sang the theme song to Mr. Rogers. I'm not going to do that this morning. But uh, the theme is still here, and we're trying to impress upon you the importance of us sharing and spreading the Word of God. Paul refers to the apostles in the early church in uh, 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians as being ambassadors. And that's basically what we are. We are the voice for God. If we don't spread the gospel, who's going to? And so we are looking at that this week. And so Luke chapter 10 is a, a story that we are well familiar with. It's called the story of the Good Samaritan. But right before that, the couple of verses before that, there was a lawyer there that was trying to trick Jesus, and he first asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? I mean, if there was just one that I had to keep, which one would it be? Well, Jesus quickly answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And then the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So the lawyer sat there for a second, and as, as lawyers do, he had a second question, and the question was, well, Jesus, then, who is my neighbor? If I'm to love my neighbor as myself, who exactly is my neighbor? But it says here in verse number 29 of Luke chapter 10 that he was asking this question with an ulterior motive. Because it says that he wanted to justify himself, and he said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus gives him an answer by giving him this story of the Good Samaritan. So let's read that this morning, and we'll go back and make some comments about it. Verse number 30 of Luke chapter 10, Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, uh, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? The story of the Good Samaritan. So there are five points or so that I would like to consider this morning, and we'll kind of wrap it up. But what are some ideas that we can learn from this story as to who exactly is our neighbor? Who are we to love as ourself? It's easy to love our family, isn't it? It's easy to love your wife. 
It's easy to love your kids. It's even easier to love your grandkids because they are your family. And so it's a little bit harder to love that person that's out on the street that just gotten beat up. He's left for dead. He has all of his clothes taken off of him. He is laying there naked. It's kind of hard to love that person because you don't have any skin in the game, if you will. And so Jesus brings this story in, and he is going to show this lawyer who really is our neighbor. So there are some points I would like to, uh, for us to consider this morning. Now my first point is, we are to love everyone. Exactly who is my neighbor? Well, Jesus' answer is, everyone is your neighbor. Man, wouldn't the world be a better place if we just kept those two commandments? Man, if we just learned to love God the way God wants us to love him, and if we would just learn to love our neighbor as much as I love myself, man, the world would be a different place. It would be a godly world. It would be a Christian nation, and that's what we need to get back to. But here we need to see that we are to love everyone. Now again, this is just a parable, basically, so this isn't a true story. But let's just assume a couple of things. Let's assume, first of all, that this man that was beaten was a Jew. I believe it's Josephus says that in this time period, Herod had just laid off about 40,000 men. They had completed his temple, and so he laid off 40,000 men. And so these men were doing what men do. They were going out and robbing people. And so this part of uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the road was extremely dangerous to travel. You did not travel it alone if you could help it. You certainly did not travel it at night because if you did, you were going to be robbed. And so let's just assume for a minute that this man who was robbed and beaten had his clothes taken off of him. Let's assume that he was a Jew. Who came to help him? His enemy. The person that the Jews could not stand... They would not even go through Samaria. They would take another day and walk around Samaria. The one group of people that a Jew could not stand was a Samaritan. But yet, who helped him? A Samaritan. And so Jesus was trying to show to us that we need to love everyone, even our enemy. Even the person that we probably grew up to hate. A person that we could not stand, we still need to love them. And so Jesus was showing him that we need to love everyone. We shouldn't look at a person and try to determine whether or not they are good enough to be saved. That's not our job. That's not my job. I can't look at the drunk laying in the gutter and say that man does not deserve to be a Christian. I can't say that. I can't look at the girl that just overdosed in the Walmart parking lot and say I hope she goes to hell because she deserves it. That's not my decision to make. I am to love everyone and share the gospel with every person. 
Aren't you glad that someone shared the gospel with you? Maybe you once was that drunk. Maybe you once was a person on drugs. Maybe you're once the person that looked at pornography. And whatever the case may be, maybe you once were that way. But someone loved you enough to share the gospel with you. And praise the Lord for that. It's not our obligation, it's not our duty to judge who gets the gospel and who doesn't. It's our duty to preach it to them. In John chapter 13... John chapter 13 and verse number 34. <clears throat> John chapter 13 and verse 34. Jesus just tells us to do one simple thing. In verse 34, he says, A new commandment I have given to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. That's how you can tell who a Christian is, isn't it? You can see by the way a person acts, talks, dresses, looks. You can tell whether that person's a Christian or not. You can see the love that they have for other people, and you know that they're a Christian. Jesus says by you loving one another, that is an indication of who you are a disciple of. My second point this morning, going back to Luke chapter 10 and verse number 33, we need to help people as if we are helping Jesus Christ himself. Isn't that an interesting thought? What if we knew that Jesus was going to be here today and he needed something? Man, every single one of us would run to his aid. But what happens when we see that person again that's not doing what they should be doing. Do we still go and try to help them and, and encourage them to do what's right? But in verse 33, he says, A certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Man, that's a word that we don't really see much of in the world today, is it? Compassion. But this, this Samaritan, this enemy of the Jewish man that was laying there, left to be dead, he had compassion on him when he saw him. Remember what Jesus said back in Matthew chapter 25? Turn back there with me. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 25. We need to treat people as if we are doing that to Jesus. Matthew chapter 25, it's in here somewhere. There we go. Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 34. Again, this is Jesus speaking here. If you have red letter edition. Then the king, Matthew chapter 25 and verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, 
When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will answer and say to them, As surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You see, you never know the impact you may have on people's lives. You never know the one thing that you may say that may change that person's life. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 2 talks about that we may entertain angels unaware. By us helping someone who is in need, we may be entertaining angels. I heard a story a couple years ago, I don't know if it's true or not, it might just be a preacher story. But there was a new preacher that had just recently been hired into this new congregation, a very large congregation, two or 3,000 people, and nobody knew him yet. Only the pulpit committee knew him and hired him. And so what he decided to do was on one Sunday, he would dress like a homeless man and come into the church building to see how his congregation would treat him. Out of the two or, two or three thousand people that attended that day, three people came and said hi to him. After the church service was over, he went back to the back and he would ask people, can I get some change so I can get some food for lunch? Not one person would give him any money. We need to treat people like we would treat Jesus. Now, maybe that's not a true story. Maybe it is. I don't know. But the illustration is there, isn't it? We need to treat people the way that we would like to be treated, love them like we would like to be loved, and then treat them the way Jesus would like to be treated. But my third point this morning is that we need to find time to do what is right. I mean, that's hard to do, isn't it? I said this before, we tried to pack 30 hours into 24 hours, and we can't do it. We'd run, 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 and then we'd run, 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 run some more until we're just totally exhausted, and we fall on the couch at 9 o'clock at night. Then we remember we haven't even had supper yet. So we have to get up and fix supper at 9 o'clock at night and go to bed at 10 o'clock. That's why we look like this, because we eat and we go to bed. But we run, 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 and we don't have enough time for the church. And that breaks my heart. But this man here found time to do what was right. In verse number 33 of Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10 and verse 33, we need to find time to do what is right. What would have happened if this good Samaritan would have said, hey, I got an appointment in a half hour. I don't have time for this. If this happens tomorrow, maybe I can uh, find time to help this guy. But I am too busy today to do it. I got to go. And so Luke chapter 10 and verse 33, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He stopped right away and helped this individual. Again, when you kind of get this in your mind's eye, this guy is laying there in the street. He's stripped naked. 
He has been beaten almost to death. He has been left there to die. And this Samaritan runs up on this and he sees it, but yet he has enough compassion on him that he stops and helps him. Man, the story would have been a lot different if he was too busy. And so we need to find the time to do what is right. The, the, the road between Jericho and Jerusalem was about 15 miles long. And that's, that Samaritan was going somewhere, wasn't he? Doesn't say elsewhere, but he was going somewhere. He had to be somewhere, but yet he stopped to help this individual out. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 10 says this. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 10. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to each other. Be kindly affectionate to one another. Again, do you love your neighbor like you love yourself? Are you treating your neighbor as you would treat Jesus? Point number four this morning, you are not too good to help others. You are not too good to help other people. Now in this story, there were two people that were too good, weren't they? And it's sad to say it was the preacher and it was his congregation that was too good to help. It was the priest. Now I'm sure he thought, and they had certain laws back in those days, if I touch this man, I'm going to be considered unclean, especially if that man dies, and I have his blood on my hands, I'm going to be considered unclean, and I have to go through this cleansing process. I don't have enough time for that. The Levite, who was not yet a priest, but the priest came from the Levitical tribe. He probably had the same idea. I have to hurry back and get back to uh, the temple so I can help uh, them with, with certain uh, obligations. They were too good to help this person. Were they afraid to be unclean? Were they just simply too good? Oftentimes, actions will speak louder than words, doesn't it? We can say that we're a Christian. But are we doing what Christians need to be doing? Remember, a Christian is just a word that means a follower of Jesus Christ. It kind of gives you the impression that we need to model ourselves after Jesus Christ. Are we doing that? Are we helping and serving others? My fifth point this morning, don't do it for the reward. I mean, if I help this guy, he may be wealthy. He may be a multimillionaire. If I can help him, if I can somehow get him alive again, maybe he'll put me in his will. Or maybe he'll pull out his billfold and give me a couple of those, pre those dead presidents. I don't know if they had presidents back then, but maybe that guy is wealthy. Maybe if I help him, maybe he'll somehow reward me. Maybe somehow he'll give me something that will kind of compensate for what I did. After all... I did this and I did that. This Samaritan had absolutely nothing to gain, did he? He had absolutely nothing to gain. He did not have any idea who this man, what his condition was, his occupation. He had nothing. He had nothing to gain. But yet he still did it. In Jeremiah, back in the Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter 17 
in verse number 10. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 10. God is, is speaking here. He says, uh, Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. God said, I know the heart, I know the mind, I'm going to give you things. God is the one who's going to give us the reward. It kind of reminds me of the parable of the talents. One had five, one had two, one had one. Jesus, because they did things, he, he doubled their talents. But the one man only had one talent, he went out and dug a hole and buried it. What did that man give, or what do to that one talent man? He took it away from him, and he gave it to the one that had five. And so God, Jesus, knows our heart, they know our mind, they know what we're thinking, what we're doing, our attitude. And so as we come to a close this morning, I was thinking about this as I was writing this message, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. As we think about what the world calls Easter today, Resurrection Sunday, I, I was thinking about this, and tell me if I'm wrong. But I, I got to thinking that Jesus is our Good Samaritan. Isn't that true? Jesus is our Good Samaritan. We have been beaten up by the world. We have been left for dead by the devil. We have sin that has just absolutely destroyed our life. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The devil has beaten us up and he's left us for dead. But didn't Jesus have compassion on us? Just like the Good Samaritan did with this, this poor man, he had compassion on him. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 6 tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That's showing compassion when we don't deserve it. Jesus is our Good Samaritan. He helped us in our time of need. Jesus put himself out for us he paid the cost for us. Did you ever think about that back in the Good Samaritan story? He put himself out for that man. He gave his own wine. He gave his own bandaging uh, for that man. He put himself up on the, his own donkey. He took him to a hotel, and he paid for the hotel. And he even told the manager of that hotel, listen, if he's here for a week, leave him here. When I come back through, I will pay anything that you are out. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? Didn't Jesus put himself out for us? Didn't Jesus pay for the awful things that we did? The answer is yes. And so Jesus is our good Samaritan. We're never told, and again I know this is just a story, but we are never told what happened to the injured man. How did he respond after he was completely healed? Was he thankful to that good Samaritan? Did he have maybe a change of heart 
that this man who he thought would be his enemy actually took care of him and loved him? Did he seek out the Samaritan to thank him for what he did? The question I would like to ask you this morning is are you grateful for what Jesus did? Are you grateful for the sacrifice that Jesus made in your place? We were the ones that deserve to die. We are the ones that deserve to go to hell. But Jesus said, no, I want to pay the price. And so if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I can't think of a better place or a better time to make that decision. I want to start to serve Jesus. I've served myself for long enough. It's now time to serve Jesus. If you need to make that decision, I encourage you to do so. You may ask, well, what do I need to do to become a Christian? Well, the, the message is pretty clear in the book of Acts, especially in Acts chapter 2, where Peter preached the very first gospel sermon. He told those people to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He didn't tell them to pray the sinner's prayer. He didn't ask them to uh, accept Jesus into their heart. He said, repent and be baptized. If you have done that, may I encourage you to be faithful to your Savior. Be faithful unto death, Jesus says in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, and I will give you a crown of life. That crown is there. It's already in heaven. It's got your name on it. You need to be faithful to death. It's going to be worth it.